So number one, we're contending for truth. Number two, we're contending for godliness. And number three, we are contending with others. So how are you investing in the lives of others? Are you waiting for someone to serve you? Or are you finding someone to serve, someone to contend with? Oftentimes in churches, we think of it's kind of like the pastor's job to like follow up with everybody and make sure so-and-so is doing okay and things like that. But as a church body, we're called to contend with others. So if you are coming to church on a regular basis and you see that Sally has not been to church for three weeks, it's our job, it's your job to reach out to them and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Is there a way I can encourage you? Is there a way that I can help you out in some doing something? And by doing this, we're contending with them. We're saying, we'll help you take your burdens, right? We're going to cast our cares on Jesus together, and we're going to let him lighten our load of the things that we're going through. So as a church body, that is an awesome challenge to be able to look around and see those things. Be aware. We want to be vigilant and aware of the false doctrines and teaching, but God also gives us wisdom to be aware of the things that need attention, the things, ways that we can help people. This summer, we are going through a series called The Good Fight, and Pastor Jordan and Pastor Josh have been walking us through the book of 1 Timothy and just learning about how Paul was teaching Timothy, who was his apprentice, um, about how to fight the good fight in the midst of so many cultural influences, so many false doctrines that were in the world, but that were also in the church. So um, today we are going to continue on with that. And if you want to open your Bibles, your Bible app, or follow along on the screen, we're going to read our section of scripture here. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 8. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it's wrong to be married, wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know that it has been made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is so much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you for your word of truth. We thank you that as you guide us today that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us. We thank you that the word of God is alive and active and every time we have a chance to read a story, to find a passage, that you have an opportunity to speak into our hearts and so we accept that today and um, just want to be challenged to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today I want to look into the word contend as it has to do with fighting the good fight. So um, what does contend mean? If you look it up in the dictionary, it means to strive or vie in contest 
um, or rivalry or against difficulties. So contend comes from the root word agon, which is where we get words like agony and agonize in our English language. As a noun, it reminds us of a conflict, a race, or a struggle. In the, New Test- or in the Old Testament, is often used as a battle. So that could be a physical battle like we see in Deuteronomy 2. It could be a um, spoken battle like we see in Nehemiah 13, where the Levites are neglecting the house of God, or a spiritual battle like we see in Isaiah 57. Paul uses it in the New Testament as he suffers for the cause of the gospel. His goal was he agonized to reach his goal to present every man complete in Christ. He urges Timothy to agonize in training for godly living. As a verb, you may think of it as physically fighting or spiritually fighting or even emotional fighting. Um, Think of tug of war. You and God are on one side, the enemy's on the other, and there's a constant pull from the enemy to wear you down, to take you out, to give you, get you to give in to the things of the world. In Timothy, we see Paul actually use it as a noun and a verb as he says to fight the good fight. So as Christians, what are we to be contending for? Today I want to talk about three things um, that we should be contending for in our Christian journey. The first one is contending for truth. So we're going to reread the first couple verses of 1 Timothy 4. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Pretty straightforward, (laughs) right? Paul here is relaying a message from the Holy Spirit. He's saying in the last days, in the latter times, Um, He's prophesying here and speaking to Timothy about what's to come. He warns them to be vigilant because there's going to be false teachers, there's going to be false doctrines around us, and we are to realize um, that there will be those who depart from the faith and they'll devote themselves to false doctrines. And so take note of this. Paul is saying this here, and he's not saying that this is just a possibility. It is a certainty. He's saying there are people that will leave Um, and follow those false doctrines. True faith that Paul's referring to is the gospel, right? So God is revealed to us through Jesus, and it involves not only knowing who God is or believing that there is a God, because in James it says even the demons believe that there's a God and they shudder. It's more than just a mere belief in the truth. It involves surrender of our will, submission of our life, and commitment to of our soul. In 1 John 2:19, it says, "They went out from us, but they were really not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out, so it would be shown that they were all not of us." John is saying, "Be aware. Once again, be vigilant. In these times, people will leave. And he's not just saying they're going to leave New Point Church and go to another church down the street. He's saying they will depart from the faith, and we will be able to see by their character that they weren't really a part of it all along. So there are influences all around us. Anybody that's ever studied marketing or that kind of thing, um, ideas just going at you all the time, right? So they could be from the news media, social media, pop culture, music, movies, um, and they are teaching ideas that are contrary to the word of God. 
And if you go online and search, say you go to Pinterest and type in inspirational quotes, you will find very many <laughs> false doctrines, false teachings, things that maybe have a little bit of truth but are not fully the truth. So we're going to look at a couple of those today. So the first saying is, whatever you decide to do in life, make sure it makes you happy right? We've all heard this. You want to do what makes you happy. But the truth is, whatever we do, we want to do it for the glory of God. So we have to align what we're doing with the glory of God. And if you're aligned with God and following what he has called you to do, there will be joy, right? And joy and happiness are two different things. Um, The next one, follow your heart, right? So Jeremiah actually says, your heart is deceitfully wicked and you can't trust it. So he's saying here that apart from Jesus, if you're not living for God, if you are not following in God's way, um, your heart is deceitful. It will make you do certain things or accept certain things or um, things that we're doing. We say, oh, they're fine because, um, and we justify the things that we are doing. Um, The next one, seek your truth. Have you ever heard that one? But the truth is that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So we have to make sure that we're aligned with God's truth, not our own truth. Um, So this is something you want to take note of. The more we are surrounded by something, the easier it is to become, sorry, (laughs) the more we are surrounded by something, the easier it is to stop being cautious of it. So as I was preparing for this message, I read this article. Um, The man was actually a pastor, but he had a full-time job, um, and he worked on wells in pump houses. So I didn't even know what that was, but they're like these (laughs) janky buildings on a property that hold a well, um, and most of the time they're out there in a field and they're forgotten about for several years until they need some kind of maintenance or repair. So his job was to go into these janky buildings and fix the problem. From the beginning, when he started, he was very cautious of what was inside of these pump houses. Okay, so he would flash his flashlight around, he would make noises because he could come across snakes, spiders, rodents of other kinds, hives of bees, like he just never knew what he was going to come into. So um, one time, He's rushing to get a job done, goes into a pump house, finishes the work, heads back to his truck, and um, is writing up the invoice for his customer, and all of a sudden he feels something crawling on his neck, and he pulls off a black widow spider, right? So many customers had said, beware of the spiders, beware of bees, and he's like, one, he would rather have spiders than a hive of bees, because their whole friends, you know, attack you, not just the one. But he was reminded that it had become common for him to be in these pump houses. And so he was no longer cautious of the things that were around him or the dangers that could be presented. So the more we are surrounded by something, the easier it is to stop being cautious. If we are not rooted in the truth of Christ as revealed through Jesus and given to us through Scripture, we can easily be persuaded through false doctrines. We need the Holy Spirit to protect our hearts, to guide us, so we can be contending for the truth. 
A.W. Tozer says it like this, one compromise here, another there, and soon the so-called Christian and the man of the world look the same. And that's not our desire. We don't want to look like the people of the world. But it's so easy bending the rules one time here and then another time here, and before you know it, we're on the same playing field as the people in the world. Our lives should look different. Those around us should be able to see truth in our life, and they should be able to see that in the way that our character is and the way that we live our life. We need to train ourselves to be discerning, and we can't just believe everything we say or everything we hear, whether it's inside the church or outside the church. In Acts 17.11, it says that the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message, and they searched the scriptures day after day to make sure that Paul and Silas were telling the truth, were teaching the truth, and preaching the truth. And that's a reminder to all of us. Every time we come into a church service, or we read an article, or we read a book, we want to match it, align it with the word of God. So just like the people of Berea, we have to match it up with the truth. I do daily declarations every morning, and I have a list of them that I've accumulated over the years, but one of them is I filter what I see, hear, and believe through the promises and truth of God. So there's going to be all those ideas coming at us. There's going to be those things that we're like, hmm, I don't know, it kind of sounds true, but I'm not really sure. That's when we test it against the word of God. I filter what I see, hear, and believe through the promises and truth of God. The more knowledge we gain of scripture, the easier it is to see the lies right in front of us. So in order to contend for the truth, we have to know the truth, right? Okay, so number one, as Christians, we're contending for truth. Number two, we're contending for godliness. So 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. One of Paul's favorite metaphors throughout the New Testament in his writings is comparing the life of a Christian to that of an athlete. They both require discipline, and they both, um, you need consistency to do those things. He talks about it here, but he also brings it up in other places in 1 Corinthians and Titus and Hebrews, constantly comparing our life to the life of an athlete. So discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. In order to lead a godly life, we have to have spiritual discipline. Okay, so a little fact about me. I've always been a very driven person, but I haven't always been a very consistent person. So I'm the one, I see this big goal and picture and dream, um, and then I want to go big or go home, and I just want to do as much as I can and try to get to this goal. But oftentimes, if you know anyone else like that, um, it doesn't actually work out, right? Because they try to do too much at once. And that has been, for a lot of years, the story of my life. Always very driven, not always very consistent. I had the all or nothing attitude, right? 
So I'm going to share a story with you this morning. Some of you have heard this story. Some of you probably just want to stop hearing this story. Um, But (laughs) just stick with me. So (laughs) I'm sure my friends are like, oh gosh. Okay, so um, I work out using a brand called Peloton. They have a bike, they have a treadmill, and then they have an app, and it has thousands of on-demand workouts that you can do. So every month they also have challenges that you can complete, and then you get a little badge in your account, you know, and you just get to add those up, um, which is something I like. (laughs) Okay, so last July there was a challenge to do a Peloton um, workout every day in the month of July. So it could be anything from their strength training or their stretching, anything in between, right? So I, of course, saw the goal, and then I was like, I'm going to start two days early. So I started on June 28th, and um, I changed my mindset to do something every day. I'd always been one of those people, if I was going to work out, I wanted it to be like a super long workout, and I wanted to burn 600, 700 calories, and that led me to be inconsistent, right? Because that's just not feasible all the time. So I changed my mindset, and July was filled with closing my rings on my Apple Watch and completing a Peloton workout every day, right? So some days it was stretching and walking, and some days it was like the hardcore boot camps, um, which are still my favorite. So July turned into August, August into September, and after a couple months, a friend of mine actually said, are you just going to like try for a year? And I was like, well... Of course, I love the big goal, but inside, I didn't really think that was probably going to be possible, right? So, um, but I kept going, and I chose to make it a priority every day. I got up at 5 or 5.30 before my family was awake, and I got it done. And if I didn't, I was most likely at 9.30 at night um, doing some kind of like hit cardio workout, and Jason's like, what is going on right now? Um, got to close my rings. I got to get my credit, Right? Um, But this consistency bled into other parts of my life as well. So I started making my time with God a priority first thing in the morning, and it changed the whole perspective on my day. So I ended up completing 365 days and um, did that. (laughs) A lot of my friends were like, what's your streak number? How long have you been going? Um, And then they would also hear like quotes that I got from the Peloton instructors, and they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. You know, those kind of things. So um, some days it was easy, most days it was not, right? This past year was hard. Um, our dad passed away in October, and he was always like one of my biggest cheerleaders, right? He would call all the time and say like, what are you doing? Like, how's the kids? How's your workouts going? Um, And I knew in every time that it was hard, though, that after my dad had passed away, that he would have wanted me to keep going because that was something he was always um, very aware of, is that you have to keep going through the hard things. We're all going to have hard things that come our way. Um, And then last week, he would have said to me, I'm so proud of you. Are you going to keep going? Like, he would have asked those questions. So with physical training, it began to not only be the workouts, but I also (laughs) 
was one of those kind of annoying people, you know, like, oh, I'm going to park the furthest away so I can get my steps in, and I'm going to bring my lunch, and then I'm going to go on a walk, and if the weather's bad, I'm going to walk around this auditorium for 30 minutes <laughs> so I can get my steps in, right? Um, but it started to add up, so it wasn't just my morning workout. It was all throughout my day. So physical training, don't always want to do it, but I'm always glad I did, and the more consistently I did it, the easier it became because I had that motivation. One of the running coaches that I follow on Instagram says it like this, the longer you run, the greater the mental strength you develop. The greater the mental strength you develop, the longer you run. Physical training does more than just benefit the way you look. So yes, you can do a strength training program, you can work hard, and get a six pack, but it also benefits you in other ways, right? So you have more energy, you have better digestion, you sleep better, right? You may even live longer. And all of these things add up in our current life. But godliness is supposed to be exactly like that. It has widespread benefits. Your anxiety decreases, your peace increases, you make fewer stupid decisions, hopefully. Um, you are quicker to forgive, less angry, it gives you boldness in your faith. So those are the things you wanna add. And then when you die, you know exactly where you're going. So similar to the way that the physical things added up, so I was doing those little extra things throughout the day, those same things should be happening with our spiritual life. We should be dedicating that time in the morning or that time, designated time where you're in the word, where you're praying, and those should develop habits throughout the day. You should allow God to pour into you during your morning devotions, and then the rest of the day you're walking and living out from the overflow of what you have received from God. So it gives you the opportunity for boldness. It gives you the opportunity for powerful divine appointments that you can lead someone to Christ, that you can lay hands on the sick and they are healed, that you can encourage someone along the way. All of those things start to add up and all throughout the day we have those moments. Most of us are not called to be in prayer five to six hours a day and that's all we do. God calls us to spend that time with him but then he calls us to walk it out and teach his gospel to the world, share the love of Jesus, be the hands and feet of Jesus, not just all about us sitting in a room praying all day. Now, sometimes there are times that you're called to do that or people are called to do that. But for most of us, we should be investing the time and then we should be walking that out and living in the overflow of what God has given us during our quiet time. So I say it like this compared to the running coach, but the more disciplined you are spiritually, the more endurance you have. And the more endurance you have, the greater your ability to stand firm on the truth. So godliness is what we're working towards. Physical training is awesome. It's fantastic that I met my goal, but that does nothing in the life to come, right? Discipline is one of the most important elements of our Christian life. And in case you didn't already know, it's not easy. You want to read the Bible every day? Not easy. You want to pray for a certain amount of time? Not easy. You want to memorize scripture? It's not easy, and you have to take the time um, and put the work in. You want to be a part of a Bible study? Not easy. It takes commitment. You want to care for the orphans and the widows of this world as we're called to do? It's not easy, and oftentimes that gets messy, right? 
So the thing with physical training and godliness is you can't just do it every once in a while and expect to be fit. You can't stockpile either of them, right? So you can't spend five days in prayer and in the word and then not do it for six months and expect to be able to stand strong in the truth and to know the truth so that you can discern the things around you. You have to do it consistently. You cannot stockpile either of them. And if we are lazy and undisciplined in our spiritual walk, we likely won't be able to grow or face temptation when it comes our way. This lifestyle encourages us to take the easy road, to make decisions based on how we feel rather than what we know the truth of God to be and what he wants us to do. So we are called to constantly nourish ourselves with sound doctrine, with the word of God, and you have to be consistent. And you can do this by memorizing scripture, listening to the Bible on audio while you're doing chores, while you're riding in the car, um, all of those things. You can pray scripture. That's one of my favorite things to do. And one way that I learned a lot of the Bible was to take a section of the Bible or a chapter, read it out loud, pray it, pray it for other people in your life, pray it for yourself, Pray it for the people that you don't even know that may need it, right? So praying the scripture, constantly getting it in front of you is a way that you can be firm in the truth. So number one, we're contending for truth. Number two, we're contending for godliness. And number three, we are contending with others. Jude 1, 20 and 21 says, but you, beloved, build yourself up on the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I heard a saying recently that said, godliness is a solo activity that's best done with others. So I'll say that one more time. Godliness is a solo activity that's best done with others. It's important to first look at your own life, to be in the word, to be in prayer, but God designed it to be a community with others. And the best thing we can do as a church is to become a church that is effective in contending for the faith together. This helps us to be well-rounded. We want to be in the word, we want to pray, and we want to be with other Christians who are doing the same thing so that we can be well-rounded. A little plug for life groups. Um, Those are one of the best ways within our church to get connected and to find a group of people that can encourage you, pray for you, um, keep you accountable when you're working towards something. So um, we have a life group, six or seven families-ish, and they have played such an important part in my life over the last couple years. Our life group has gone through hard things, right? We've had deaths in families. We've had people that had surgery. We've had parenting things where we're like trying to navigate being a parent in this world and going to school and all of the things. And it is so awesome to know that you have a group of people who are there to text you, to encourage you, to pray for you, to call you. A couple weeks ago on our last night of VBS, I, it was about 6.05, so VBS had just started. You know, it's the final night. And so everybody's really pumped up and excited. And all of a sudden, I get a text from a friend saying that um, her son had been hit by a car while riding his bike. 
eight-year-old little boy riding across um, 156th and got hit by a car. So I was immediately just like overwhelmed with heaviness and the burden of the situation. And so I knew I just needed to step away for a second. I was thinking, well, I think Jeff Meese can lead this if I need to. Um, But I stepped into the office and I sent a text to a couple people from our life group and a couple other prayer warriors that I knew within the church that weren't here that night. And I said, here's the deal. Um, A friend needs prayer. We need um, prayer for this little boy for complete healing. We need peace for the parents as they go through the situation of the unknowns. And we need wisdom for the doctors. I'm in the middle of VBS. I cannot process all of this. Can you pray? And within just a minute or two, I had texts back declaring healing over Asher's body. I had texts that were um, praying for the family and encouraging that family, asking um, specific names and ways that they could pray. And so I was able to leave that with the other people, do my job, finish VBS, have a great time, and know that someone was contending with me. Someone was joining in prayer during that time while I couldn't do it, and that is what is so important about being surrounded by a group of people who can carry the burden when you can't do it, right? We're all going to have those times where we have hardships or we have challenges. We need to um, hit a certain goal or do a certain thing, but we're having trouble with that, and so it's so important to have those people in your life. A couple years ago, Pastor Josh did a um, teaching in one of our deacons meeting, and I don't have time to share it all, but the gist of it was everyone needs a Paul in their life, someone that is further along than you spiritually, a mentor, someone that can kind of challenge you in your faith, and then everyone needs a Silas, and that is someone that's kind of about the same level of you, running the race together, still encouraging, and you still speak life into each other, and then everyone needs a Timothy. Everybody needs somebody that they're mentoring, that they're praying with, that they're holding accountable, that they're helping encourage in their faith. So today I want you to think, who can hold you accountable? Who can encourage you on your journey? Paul agonized and labored to encourage others in their growth. So ministry is not always easy, and oftentimes it can be very difficult. But it's our responsibility as believers to love one another, to encourage and serve one another, to pray for one another. And God gives us each these gifts, and everyone is needed to use their gifts. So even in like the life group story, sometimes it is we're coming together and we're praying. Other times it's like, they're going through a hard time. Let's put together meals for their family for this week so they don't have to think about that. Or they need help with their kids so that they can have a date night or get away or do whatever they need to do. So everybody has a way that they can encourage and build up each other and contend with each other for those things. In 2 Timothy 2, 22, it says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call about the Lord with pure hearts. So we are called to contend with and for others who are pursuing right living, who are faithful to God, who are showing love and peace to those around them. It's been so encouraging in our food ministry to watch our volunteers, who some of them hadn't had a ton of 
hands-on ministry experience in the past, but to walk out and to speak life to someone that's going through a tough time or to um, make a list of people to pray for and the prayer requests that we get out at the cars when we go visit them or just to offer them a smile and a way to encourage them. And so many places that these people are going are not offering them the same love and joy that God gives us. So it's been a blessing to serve with that group of people and to just watch them show love and peace to those around them. So how are you investing in the lives of others? Are you waiting for someone to serve you? Or are you finding someone to serve, someone to contend with? Oftentimes in churches, we think of it's kind of like the pastor's job to like follow up with everybody and make sure so-and-so is doing okay and things like that. But as a church body, we're called to contend with others. So if you are coming to church on a regular basis and you see that Sally has not been to church for three weeks, it's our job, it's your job to reach out to them and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Is there a way I can encourage you? Is there a way that I can help you out in some doing something? And by doing this, we're contending with them. We're saying, we'll help you take your burdens, right? We're going to cast our cares on Jesus together, and we're going to let him lighten our load of the things that we're going through. So as a church body, That is an awesome challenge, to be able to look around and see those things, be aware. We want to be vigilant and aware of the false doctrines and teaching, but God also gives us wisdom to be aware of the things that need attention, the things, the ways that we can help people. So in going back to 1 Timothy 4, 6, it says, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus one who is nourished by the message of good faith and the good teaching you have followed. So there's that word nourished again. We need to constantly be nourished by the message of faith, by the good teaching, and let us be an example to those around us staying close to the message of faith. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Is the life that you're walking out, is the way that you're contending for faith an example to those around you? Can people see it in your character? So as we begin to close today, three questions. Are you contending for truth in your life in a way that is loving and gentle yet courageous? Are you contending for godliness in a way that's an example to others? And are you contending with those around you to fight the good fight? Romans 12 speaks so adequately to the things that we've talked about today. Let us live in a way that honors God. Don't copy the patterns of the world. Let God transform you. We each have a gift and we need to use it to give glory to God. And then in verses 9 through 12, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, 
be patient in trouble and keep on praying. So many reminders in that little scripture. I encourage you to read Romans 12 um, and really love others. Hate what is evil. Some of these things are very straightforward, but we make them very like, you know, uneasy, right? Love people. Hate what is evil. Find those people around you that you can show genuine affection to and take delight in honoring each other. That's another way we can contend with others is by honoring them. And never be lazy but work hard, right? We don't have to work for our salvation, but God does call us to carry out our Christian walk by working for him and giving glory to God in the things that we do. God calls us to the good fight. Will our lives produce the reward that God is looking for? Remember, the good fight is staying in the true faith, and it involves the surrender of our will, the submission of our life, and the commitment of our soul. So this week I have a challenge for you. I want to um, encourage you to name one area you want to improve in your spiritual discipline this week. So you know that your flesh is weak. It's easy to give up. How can we ensure that we meet this goal? What steps can we take? Who can we surround ourselves? Who can we share our goal with? And I encourage you to share them with me. You can email me, emily at newpointchurch.com, or with our pastors. Um, We want to know what you're contending for. We want to know what is in your heart, the goals and the dreams that you have, the things that you want to do with your spiritual walk. If you want to share the love of Jesus with those around you, we want to know. We want to help encourage you to have boldness. If you feel called to pray for people when they're sick, we want to encourage you that God has given you that authority, that God has given you the authority to lay hands on the sick and have them healed. Maybe you just want to start spending 15 minutes in your Bible every morning. It doesn't have to be these grandiose goals, right? Do something every day. Be consistent in pursuing godliness. And that's how we reach the goal. That's how we run this race together, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint. We hear that all the time. We have to do the little things and keep going at a steady pace and try, instead of trying to sprint to the end and not making it there because we weren't trained in what we need to do. So I encourage you this week to share with someone what you want to work on. Maybe you have big goals that you need to share with someone that you've had in your heart and you've kept them on the inside, but I encourage you, find somebody. When I was on my journey to get to my year, so many people around me were like, How many days have you done? Did you do your workout? Wait, we're on vacation. Are you still going to be finishing your, closing all your rings? The answer was yes. Um, But I needed those people around me. My kids are always like, what day is it? And then they'd be like, mom's going on a late night walk because she doesn't have all of her goals finished, right? But those extra 15 minutes that I took um, and just made it a priority were the way that I got to my goal not doing a million things up front and then fizzling out along the way. So we're going to go ahead and close here in prayer. My husband gave me a little pro tip, not that he's ever done this, but, um, but he said, finish five minutes early and they'll ask you back every time. So <laughs> we are going to, um, 
I'm going to go ahead and close in prayer, and Tim will lead us in one more worship song before we close out today. But I hope today that you feel challenged. Um, I encourage you to ask questions. Find those around you that can hold you accountable. Talk to our leadership team. We are here to just encourage you on this good fight, right? We need each other. We need to be able to do it together, and we need to feel challenged and encouraged by those around us. So thanks for letting me have the stage today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us to stay in the true faith. I thank you that we would be anchored in the truth of God, that the things that we learn on Sunday mornings, the things that we learn in our daily devotions, Father God, will propel us forward in the truth and to know the truth. I thank you, Father God, that we would crave and pursue godliness like we never have before that we would lay aside those things that tangle us up, that cause us to stumble, and we would focus on your truth, the things that you have called us to do, that we would use our life, that we would use this walk to glorify you and to show your love to those around us. I pray that you encourage each and every person in this room today to fight the good fight, to stay strong to the end, to find the truth, to ask questions, that we would walk out and live in the overflow of our time with you. In Jesus' name, amen.